Cancer Advances, a Cleveland Clinic podcast for medical professionals, exploring the latest innovative research and clinical advances in the field of oncology. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cancer Advances. I'm your host, Dr. Dale Shepard, a medical oncologist here at Cleveland Clinic, directing the TOSIG Early Cancer Therapeutics Program and co-directing the Cleveland Clinic Sarcoma Program. Today, I'm very happy to be joined by Maylee Wilkes, APP Manager at the TOSIG Cancer Center, and Heather Konarsik, Director of Advanced Practice. They are here today to talk to us about a virtual anemia clinic. So welcome, Maylee. Welcome, Heather. Thanks for inviting Thank us. you. Thank you for having us. So I gave your titles, but give us a little bit of an idea what you do here. Maylee, we'll start with you. Yeah, so I'm a outpatient APP um, in hematology oncology at main campus at Cleveland Clinic. And in addition to that, I'm the APP manager of our outpatient uh, team. And I um, help to see patients in hematology and oncology, as well as develop our APPs um, in a leadership role. Excellent. And Heather, you're, you're uh, APP manager for the Cleveland Clinic. So what does that mean? Yeah, so the role that I play really talks about driving clinical practice and kind of the business operations of APPs, focusing on quality of the work that APPs are producing, working on benchmarks as this is like a newer specialty or, you know, especially in oncology, the role keeps changing and advancing. As a director, I get to focus my energy not only here at our main campus, but I get to work with all of our FHCs, all of our Ohio hospitals, as well as our Florida and London colleagues as those programs develop. So it's a great experience. So, Heather, let's start with you. We're going to talk about this uh, virtual anemia consult clinic. I guess we had a problem with, with hematology and anemia. Is that safe to say? Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with that. Um, we've always had plentiful anemia consult requests from the organization inside and outside of our organization. Um, but in 2022, we kind of had um, a few things happen that really um, expedited our need for a change. So we had some physician resignations in our classic hematology group. Um, and there's a national shortage of those physicians. So replacing those positions has been, you know, a really long process. So we're down physicians. Um, and then we also saw a very large increase in the requests, like double what we generally see for anemia consults. Um, so it kind of was the perfect storm and it made us really go into hyperspeed of trying to find a solution. And we think about the huge increase in consults. What do, what do we think caused that? I think it's a couple things. So I think COVID, a lot of patients probably didn't seek care and we had a lot more people kind of trickling into their primary care physicians or their, you know, getting ready for their surgical procedures that were put off and then they had some pre-admission testing done. You know, we still have a large group of iron-induced pregnancy uh, patients. So, you know, those patients were pretty steady throughout and we continue to take care of them, but uh, really just mostly medicine patients that um, are coming to see us. And then I would say that oncology and hematology are starting to become very specialized that I feel like it's a little bit easier to get a second opinion, you know, and people want that second opinion in the community. So I think they seek us out sometimes. For so that. it's kind of a combination of surgeons and primary care and patients themselves. Absolutely. And, and we have so many chronic disease patients that even like rheumatology or some of our other consulting colleagues will, you know, get us looped in on anemia. All right. Excellent. So Maylee, you talked about 
um, some work we've done at the recent ASH meeting. Mm-hmm. Maybe tell us a little bit about the background on that. Yeah, so as Heather mentioned, uh, in 2002, we really needed a solution to this problem. And the day's wait for our patients um, was certainly beyond our goal of seven days. We always try to get patients in for a new consult within seven days um, in our institute for many reasons, because patients, you know, need to be seen. It could be urgent, but also, you know, alleviating the fears that that patient has when they get that referral to hematology oncology. And so we were actually over 20 days in hematology at that point. That was the average wait. Uh, So what we did was develop a virtual anemia consult clinic that was led by our advanced practice providers. So we still saw patients in in, in person, um, but we thought that the virtual platform would allow us to extend our opportunities to see many patients in one day um, at convenience for patients and um, really help to decrease that number of days wait. There were a lot of, you know, variabilities and reasons for why it was taking that long for a patient to get in for a consult. But one of those two was just the scheduling, you know, um, of trying to centralize a a schedule for them um, and just having the provider availability. So we were able to have a centralized schedule uh, that all of our APPs could help to staff and that allowed patients to be centralized and scheduled directly into that clinic. So we started with five consults per day. So we'd have an APP staff at every single day, a different APP. Um, And then patients from everywhere um, in the state of Ohio were able to be scheduled into that. So not only were we able to schedule our patients who lived locally in the Cleveland area, but also in, you know, other counties in Ohio. Uh, So patients didn't have to drive three hours, you know, for their visit to start, which was really great. So um, from that, we were able to see from September of 2022 to May of 2023, a total of 610 in-state uh, consults. And we're well beyond that now over probably a thousand, um, you know, in, in current time. And we were able to bring that wait time from 20 days to eight days um, wait for our anemia patients and for access to hematology um, with the virtual anemia consult clinic itself um, at, at a median wait of four days. And also it really helped to um, improve our APP revenue and productivity as well, increase the slot utilization for them. And, you know, patients just verbally, you know, in our conversations with them, just very thankful for the opportunity to be able to be seen quickly. So all of that was published um, in an abstract for for American Society of Hematology. Excellent. So, Heather, when we think about more global, like, what did it take to actually set up a clinic? I mean, what was was kind of involved in logistically saying, we're going to do this? So uh, like all good projects, a multidisciplinary team was created and it was created very quickly. Um, We kind of went from start to finish in only six weeks. And so I'll talk a little bit about what we did in those six weeks. So um, our first step um, was working with the hematology staff, the APP team, APP leadership, and then um, our scheduling team to kind of look at the holes and look at opportunities and why uh, we're having this backlog. And we, we, um, found that it was related to three different things, one of them being lower APP utilization. We noticed that we had um, 30% of our consults vacant, so there was some room to use those. 
The second thing was scheduling turnover from the personnel. So they had a hard time every time, um, you know, they had a vacant position and refill to train, to look at all these different APP schedules to know what disease or what diagnosis for the consult would be appropriate for the APP. Um, so, you know, that partnered with um, the APP slot utilization in the um, the scheduling issues really created um, some light bulbs for our multidisciplinary team. Um, the other thing is that um, generally for straightforward consults, and I hope my colleagues don't get mad that I say this, but um, generally it does not take 60 minutes to see a straightforward anemia consult. Um, there are definitely a lot of complex anemia consults that are APPs in our position C that do. But um, if you average that, they take between 30 and 45 minutes or so to complete. So that was also an opportunity to be able to see more patients by decreasing the length of that slot and creating more. So with those, um, we kind of put our money where our mouth was and went into action. And uh, initially, we were thinking of not a virtual platform. We thought we needed to hire all these APPs and put them in the region. Um, and we found so many limitations with that. We didn't have space for them at any of the FHCs or the cancer centers that are throughout Ohio. Um, and then it didn't alleviate any of the scheduling issues with the schedulers not kind of being um, abreast of how to do all those um, specific consult diagnoses. So in talking with Dr. McCray, we kind of talked about limiting the ICD-10 codes and having them be virtual. Because, you know, I think our virtual platform has really evolved over the last three years. I'm sure most would agree with that. So it's really been a tool to kind of look at care differently. And I think um, it's really helped to kind of change the way we think. And it was kind of an experiment for our in institute because we hadn't really had a full virtual clinic before. So we, we set it up with five consult slots, 40 minutes long. We rotated our APPs through there. They kind of covered the clinic one day a week and then went back to their own personal schedules and templates the rest of the week. And uh, we filled up right away, 90% full in the first week. That's fantastic. So, uh, Maylie, tell, talk to us a little bit about what does that consult kind of look like? Um, you know, you've seen people from a wide range of areas, so some of our own patients, some of them are people more remotely. Do you usually have what you need from a test standpoint, are there, are, you know, you talk to patients with what you have, um, how, how does that go? How do you, how do you arrange follow-up? What if they need iron or what if they, how do, how do you collaborate back with people who might have referred? Yeah, all great questions. Um, we certainly are navigating that piece of it as, you know, we continue on with the clinic, but I think that virtual visit provides the opportunity for us to do a very thorough history. Um, you know, sometimes we have all of the records that we need because they're an internal Cleveland Clinic um, patient already. Um, other times they're outside of um, the Cleveland Clinic system, so we're relying on care everywhere or scanned records, so that can be challenging. Sometimes the labs are, you know, a day or two old, and other times they're a couple months old. But I think that virtual platform allows us to do that triage with the patient and obtain that history, see what labs are needed. So when it is a very straightforward, or I should say, you know, maybe a nutritional anemia where they need IV iron, we can set up their IV iron infusions and um, start that 
process and you know maybe they see us but they go to a regional location to receive their IV iron infusions and that provides patients a lot of flexibility in being able to do that and other times we may not have all the information that we need so we can either bring them in you know for an in-person visit to continue that evaluation um, obtain more labs um, but we try to order you know the labs that we can with what the, the information that we have sometimes the cases are very complex and we need to involve our staff physicians right away and we do and then other times, you know, we're able to see them in person. Sometimes it's just a one-time visit. Maybe it's just they need that reassurance. Um, we've also had patients that we've diagnosed with leukemia, acute leukemia and myeloma and MDS. And so I think there's value to having this clinic because maybe they would have had to wait, you know, 25 days for a visit if they had been referred for anemia um, and it wasn't recognized that they actually, you know, had a, acute leukemia or myeloma. So um, we're able to really start that workup and evaluation for them. We're sitting at about a, a little bit over a 70% retention rate with these patients. So of the patients we're seeing, you know, over 70% are staying with us in our APPs and our staff physicians for follow-up visits and additional treatment and evaluations. And then do some of those patients continue seeing APPs sort of in a virtual setting for follow-ups or do they usually start being seen in clinic? So that can change as well, but we try to see them at least once in person. That's kind of required for most insurance companies, but we, we do offer that virtual follow-up, which I think is very convenient for the patients. They appreciate that. And then sometimes maybe they live in Sandusky or they live in um, Erie PA, so it would make more sense for them to get established with an APP or provider uh, locally and see them in person. So we've also done that as well. But the goal is you know, to see them evaluate and, and start treatment if needed as soon as possible, and then we can get them established with somebody for long-term care. Yeah. I guess, Heather, we, we've been talking about taking care of patients in Ohio. And of course, we have locations, many, many places. We have patients that come in from other places. You know, part of this, of course, most is really driven by insurance and the requirement that patients be here in Ohio, right? Mm -hmm. Is there a thought to maybe expand this sort of service into Florida, for instance, or? Florida's very interested in this model, and I've met with them quite a few times to talk about the logistics. Um, I think locally they have the APPs that are interested. I think the thing that would be different from main campus to Florida would be the classical hematology expertise, as in our APPs here are only seeing, you know, classical hematology versus in Florida, they're very general and practice with hematology and oncology. So that would be kind of um, a concession or a change that would probably be in the best interest of the group if they, I mean, they do, they have a large number of consult requests as well. And the thing that happens when you're overloaded with anemia consults is it starts to push out the oncology longer, which nobody wants. You know, we want those patients to get seen as soon as possible. Is there, you know, within cancer diagnosis, there's um, certainly like our virtual second opinion service that um, people in any state can utilize because it's kind of more of an educational service rather than mm -hmm. treatment or diagnosis. Is, is there a thought that this could be beneficial in that setting as well? You know, I, I really have to look more into what um, the logistics from the APP scope would be around that and probably um, kind of brainstorm with our executive leadership on that. I think it's a really interesting idea. I think it'd be very hard for the APPs being the caring natured people that they are to not try to dig into like labs and get a little more specific. And I, you know, just myself, I know I would want to, but um, it's something we could definitely consider moving forward. Yeah. You mentioned Dr. McCray, who's our one of our, our classic hematology uh, person. 
Mela, tell us a little bit about that sort of physician interaction. Um, you do huddles, is that right? Sure. Yeah, we um, have a lot of support from our staff physicians, um, and you know they've trained us to be classical hematology APPs. Um, Dr. McCray's been very supportive, and also Dr. Dana Angelini. Um, so if you think of it kind of like a oncology tumor board, uh, we meet weekly and we huddle all of the APPs who staff this clinic with a staff physician, and we present cases, complex cases that maybe we want to run uh, labs by or results by, um, and it's a great learning opportunity. Um, and then in addition to that, you know, our, our staff physicians have provide additional education. So, um, you know, maybe there's a specific case and then they'll provide a little bit more extension of education or laboratory evaluation or interpretation. So um, it's a great learning opportunity in addition to just um, getting to know the practice of patients that we're seeing and um, a lot of the complex cases that come through. So I guess a uh, question kind of to both of you, maybe a little different perspectives. What What do you find has worked best and what might be the point where we we make big improvements. What's the what's the next step forward? Well, I think one of the challenges we've run into is care coordination because uh, we see that we're seeing such a high volume of consults, and we want to make sure that those patients get that continued care coordination throughout their time, um, and just making sure that they get their follow up appointments. And so, you know, I think there's an administrative nursing care coordination support that we would love to incorporate into this as our volume continues to increase. You know, I think we're planning to add additional consults with more staff and increase our FTEs for APPs. Um, and I'll, I can let Heather speak to that a little bit more, but, you know, I, I think we just need to build the infrastructure a little bit more so that we're able to support the high volume that continues to come in. Yeah. Heather, what, and, and I guess related to that, are there other diagnoses? Is there, as we think about expansions? Well, in regards to other diagnoses, we're kind of throwing around the potential for evaluating um, a little bit of uh, thrombocytopenia potentially, but that comes with some challenges with the patient being virtual. You know, that's, you know, having a blood smear is um, kind of the holdup there that we wouldn't have one at the time of seeing the patient. So um, we are still trying to brainstorm. Um, our VTE clinic is run by our APPs as well, and it was initially run by our hematology APPs and then kind of migrated into our urgent care that we created a few years ago. Um, but that's another potential follow-up with the patients, you know, to see how they're doing um, virtually. Or, or ha There's just such a high number of those patients, so we could potentially think of making some branches off of that. Um, but our APPs really do have such a strong commitment to our patients and supporting them with, you know, the right number of FTEs is really important to us. So I just learned today that we have um, three additional FTEs that were approved. Um, so, you know, we'll be able to expand into more consult slots to help our patients and support our APPs with having a, a reasonable number of consults. I don't know if Mealy mentioned this earlier, but it is seven consults per day. That's we've increased. It's impressive. It. Yeah, yeah, we've increased. I don't really know seven. too many practices that do seven consults in one day. So, yeah. um, I think it'll be really um, important to have those three additional classically hematology trained APPs that'll also be able to maybe have some in-person clinics in the regional spaces, which I think the regional teams would really um, find beneficial. And then I guess you've done a lot of consults, <laughs> and so you have a lot of experience. You see a lot of things coming through the door thinking about sending people to for an anemia consult. Very practical question. Maylee, you, I'll shoot this one to you. Mm -hmm. What would you like people to have had done before they saw you? Are there people that clearly need to see you? And are there people you're like, 
mm, I don't know. Did they really need to see me? I mean, mm-hmm. g- give people a little bit of, a, of advice on how to use an anemia clinic. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think the things that are helpful, um, you know, we work, we work very closely with our primary care providers and they're wonderful and they see a high volume of patients. So the first thing when you ask that that sticks out to me is nutritional anemias, because that tends to be the most common and iron deficiency anemia being, you know, the most common female patients, um, whether it's childbearing ages and pregnancy or um, from menstrual cycles, you know, we, we lose iron. And so trying to treat that, you know, um, orally first um, with an oral iron um, supplementation can be done in a primary care setting, you know, and and so I think starting there, and if we find that there's reasons for, you know, lack of absorption, um, or they're just not able to correct their anemia that way, then that's where um, I think that second opinion or or just getting a further evaluation for possible IV iron, um, or, you know, working up the anemia further, because as we all know, anemia can be caused by many different things. They can have iron deficiency anemia, but also have hemolysis at the same time. So there's, you know, um, a further evaluation that needs to be done. But I think having the most recent labs, you know, lab work within the, you know, last couple of weeks would be great um, to start and uh, just, you know, having those records available so that we can have a really meaningful first consult with them. Makes sense. Yeah. Heather, Maley, you guys are doing great work. Thank you. Appreciate your insights. Yeah. Thank you for having us. To make a direct online referral to our TASA Cancer Institute, complete our online cancer patient referral form by visiting clevelandclinic.org slash cancer patient referrals. You will receive a confirmation once the appointment is scheduled. This concludes this episode of Cancer Advances. For more podcast episodes, visit our website, clevelandclinic.org slash cancer advances podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget, you can access real-time updates from Cleveland Clinic's Cancer Center experts on our ConsultQD website at consultqd.clevelandclinic.org cancer. Thank you for listening. Please join us again soon.